What is up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this week's episode is just me sharing some thoughts on kind of sensationalism uh, as a, a kind of a broad topic. Uh, I talk about how it shows up in, in sports media, but also just in, in all sorts of other forms of media, politics especially. Um, but yeah, just the, the sensationalism and, and kind of its impact. And then also uh, towards the end of the episode, be sure to stick around as I share some some more suggestions on uh, things that I think are cool. And maybe if you're in a bit of a dry spell for cool content, then uh, a place to, to find some. Thanks so much for listening. As always, today's show is produced in music by Misha Zarin. I've always kind of had a weird relationship with with sports uh, as far as, you know, my sports fandom. Um, I, on and off throughout my life, have, have watched different sports. I mean, there was a period where I wanted to be off on Sundays and Mondays so that I could, or at the very least Sundays, so I could watch football all day on Sunday. Um, there's been periods where I've watched NBA highlights you know, if I wasn't able to watch the games, watch highlights on a on a daily basis to get a recap of what was going on in the league. Um, so at different times, I've I've you know dedicated specific time to sitting down and watching sporting events. But there's been a lot more time where where that's not the case. However, I always still consider myself a fan to some extent. And and really, the reason I think that I that I think of that is because I think of myself that way. I guess I should say is because. I, I especially in the last decade with you know YouTube and, and all of the all, all the content that that's available to watch kind of on demand. I just I watch a lot of interviews and 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 clips from shows and stuff like that. So you know I watch for example like the Dan Patrick show. He used to be on ESPN. Now he's got his own radio show. I watch clips from that even still almost daily. Uh, Bill Simmons who wrote uh, the. A book, the book of book of basketball, which is a, an excellent book if you're a basketball fan, more specifically an NBA fan. It's really about that exclusively, but really, really interesting book. Really cool, um, just really cool level of detail. I mean, he covers the NBA from the from the 50s all the way through current, which he wrote the book in 2008, I think. So it's current through then. Uh, doesn't have you know the last 10 years or so, but but anyway. I listen to, to Bill Simmons. He has a, a podcast. I listen to that just about every episode of it, which is two or three times a week. Um, and he talks about all, all sorts of different sports, mostly focuses on NFL and NBA, but but talks about just sports at large. Colin Cowherd, I used to, to check his clips out a lot. Haven't done as much in the last few months. Um, but again, he's another sports talk kind of host guy or whatever. Rich Eisen, also from ESPN around the era of, of Dan Patrick, watch his show. Anyway, I, I say all this just to explain that there's a, a, a variety of sources that I consume on a regular basis to get sports info, even if I'm not actively watching games. And for a long time, I thought that this was um, pretty sufficient because, um, you know, I, I don't watch, you know, like ESPN First Take with Stephen A. Smith and, and those guys. I don't really watch Skip and Shannon, which those are those are guys that are really really sensationalist hot take type shows where they, they there's always an argument on the show 
and everyone has to have a different point of view, which makes people take these really ridiculous positions just so they can be opposite of the other person's position on the show so that they can have that argument. Um, I, I've kind of stayed away from those more and and thought that these other ones that I was consuming were more grounded and so a pretty good representation of, of what was going on in the games. Well, then this year the NBA playoffs rolled around and I started watching the NBA playoff games. Um, I'm able to now DVR them and, and so that I can kind of watch them you know, on demand even after they're over. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed watching the games and I, I kind of forgot how, how entertaining it can be to watch, you know, good high level basketball. Uh, especially, you know, I, I know the Warriors are everyone's hated bandwagon team, but I'm sorry, Steph Curry is just fun to watch. Um, I know it's, it's popular to not like him or popular to say he's overrated, but the dude is, is he's crazy. It's a, it's incredible to watch him do what he does and and to do it with the the character that he is he's he just seems like a really grounded individual and he he doesn't ever try and get tough i mean you know he's one of the smaller guys in the nba so that might have something to do with it but i don't know russell westbrook isn't the big dude in the nba and he he acts tough still um so i don't know i just think it's really cool to see how how steph curry carries himself anyway where I'm trying to get to is that so I, I've I've watched all these shows that I thought were pretty grounded. Then I started watching NBA games again and, and really kind of getting into it. Still haven't been able to really get back into watching NFL games ever over the last several years, but but the NBA has has kind of looped me back in. Well, after watching the shows myself, or excuse me, the, the games myself, I should I, I should say, after watching the, the NBA playoff games for myself and actually just watching the whole thing. And then going and listening to these same shows that I've listened to that then recap and talk about these games that I've, you know, now in this case actually watched. And it struck me how sensational they are about it, too. And when I say sensational, I don't mean to just keep using that word. But what I mean by that is just they're everything is super, super dramatic or super important or super exciting. And everything is such a big deal. Um, Everything is is super significant, which just isn't, isn't actually true, right? So, you know, in the NBA playoffs, it's seven-game series. So a team has to win four games before they win the series. So if you lose less than four games, you're still in the series, right? Well, what we've seen now in this playoffs, in, in two of the series that have gone on, is one team wins two games, and then the next team... Uh, usually on their own home court, and then and then it goes to the next two games, which goes back to the other team's hometown. And then, again, in at least two of the examples, then that team who lost the first two games then wins the second two games. Well, after the first two games, the team who won the first two, according to these these media figures, were these winning teams were the you know destined to win the NBA championship this year, and and you know they're. They're just such a great team, and the team who lost, they have to blow the whole team up in the summer, and they have to rebuild from scratch because clearly they're not good enough to make the cut, and, and it's not going to be, you know, not a viable organization. And then fast forward a week, <laughs> and the losing team who needs to blow it all up has won two, and the original team who won the first two games has lost two, and now the narrative is flipped. Now the team who won most recently is destined to win a championship and of course this is how it's playing out and how could the other team have even f- thought that they could win despite winning the first two games clearly it was a fluke 
because look how dominant this other team has been for the, the second two games. And it's it's just actually disappointing, I guess. Um, I, I get it that you have to create excitement to some extent around things for people to be engaged, I guess. Um, or at least for people to pay attention. I mean, that's what headlines and clickbait and all that stuff is, right? It's all it's all that. But I don't know. It's just not. It's just not. It doesn't make sense to me, and I don't. And, I, and it's it's a it's a dumb conversation. The one about oh, this team's all done, or this team's the best thing ever, because it it's not. There's no merit to it. It's just <laughs> again. It's just based on it, there's an incredible amount of recency bias, I guess you could say. There's it just who won last. Oh well, they're super awesome, and and I get it. That, you know that's the that's what those programs offer. You know that that's what that's what that's how they've made their their living. Who am I to tell ESPN or or someone like that? You know how they should cover sports. And, and to be clear, ESPN honestly actually isn't as sensational. In their in like Sports Center now, some of the the more like talk shows they have, like the Jump or Get Up in the Morning, those kind of veer into that category again of, of too sensational. And the thing is, is that really this sensationalism is just everywhere. You know, like I said just a second ago, it, it's you know headlines and clickbait, right? All of that is sensationalism, and that's what sells. That's what you know. That's what the news media is. Um, I, I, for some reason in my head, I tell myself that I'm going to try and stay away from politics, you know, when I do this podcast, but it's inescapable, at least for me. Um, and it's because of the sensationalism around it, but you know, people will say, okay, in, in the news media, you've got Fox news, which is clearly a very right wing leaning conservative leaning organization that attempts to, spin the news in a way that is um, more digestible or or more in line with that right-wing conservative worldview. And then you'll have people that will say that, well, that, you know, fine, but all of the other major media outlets, whether that be NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, whatever, are all left-leaning. And I would disagree with that, you know, a long time ago, when John Stewart was still on The Daily Show, I remember him talking about making this exact same point, which is that I don't actually think that they're left leaning. I think that they are, um, I think that they're just sensational leading. I think they just chase whatever makes a story sound the most exciting because that's ultimately how they're going to attract more viewers. And the problem with the amount of sensationalism that exists is it's just it just creates a lot of bullshit. And so it's hard to actually understand what's going on consuming by consuming some of these talking head things, whether that be in sports or whether that be in political coverage and, you know, probably just about anything. Like if, if it's if there's if there's that much sensationalism, it's hard to, to understand what the actual story is. And, and so then, well, then the obvious answer is, oh, well, if you want to know, then you just have to go look at the source. Like if I want to know what's really going on in NBA games, I just have to go watch the NBA game. Well, that's fine, except that <laughs> there's only so much time in a day. And I, you know, I'm single, don't have kids. So I, I can watch two NBA games in a night, but that's between four to six hours of time dedicated to watching basketball games. 
I don't even want to do that every day and I don't have anything else to do. I don't have anyone else to take care of. People that have actually more robust lives certainly don't have that time. Um, and to be clear, yeah, well, anyway, th they don't have that time. And, and so um, you can't expect someone, everyone can't go look at the source content of everything. And if that's the standard, then that means that everyone gets to know about like 10 things. And then you can't know about anything else because there's just literally not going to be enough time for you to, to, to go learn it all. And so that's why we have these trusted sources that you that you go to who have taken that time and then kind of digested it. It's kind of like cooking, right? Like <laughs> like you can eat raw food, but it takes it's actually a lot lot more energy for your body to, to break down and digest raw food. Whereas when you cook it, you actually kind of have initiated some of that digestion process already, right? You've made it easier for that food to be consumed. Well, it's kind of the same thing with like news content or something. You know, you, if you're not a journalist, then you probably don't have time to actually go and as a, you know, original source, go cover these stories or, or look up every original source that you can. So instead you trust someone that is cooked, right? I just did air quotes when I said cooked. Someone that's cooked these stories up, right? And, and if you trust the person and they're credible, then great, then you should. You know, for example, in news coverage, I actually think that PBS and NPR, I know NPR gets hit for being, oh, they're super liberal. I don't I don't I don't think so. I think NPR and PBS both do a really good job of staying away from trying to be sensational and just try and report stories. Um and just try and, and provide, you know, information about what's going on in the world. And the other thing that sensationalism does is it, you know, like I said, it, it makes things hard to, to understand because it's bullshit. And because of that, it, it, it makes it hard to understand um, what is important to focus on in a given subject or, or topic or whatever. Like I, I talked about a, a couple episodes ago, or I don't know exactly when it was, but at some point previously on the podcast, I talked about the celebrity of Trump and how, uh, you know, it, it goes both ways. The celebrity of Trump on the one hand is what people who like him were kind of attracted to. Now they might not think that, or they might say, no, I, I was attracted to his, his positions and his policies or whatever, but it, it's because he knows how to, how to manipulate media coverage into him constantly being talked about. And so, and this isn't a knock on him. It's just, again, he's good at, at under at wielding the power of his celebrity into creating this incredibly loyal base of political supporters. Um, but this, it's gone the other way also. People that don't like Trump are dislike him more than they would have disliked probably any other Republican president, right? assuming that it's people on the left largely that dislike Trump, they dislike Trump more because Trump's celebrity influences them more, whether or not they see it that way. And I'm sure anyone that hates Trump would love to tell me how I'm wrong and that, no, it's not his celebrity. It's because they, you know, he's despicable or his policies are despicable or whatever. And that all may be true, but, but my point is that again, like, like I said before, you know, if you're not worried about your, your Congress people in the federal government, whether that be the House or the or the Senate, 
and you're just worried about Trump, you're not really going to solve the problem. I mean, just recently, we've had all of this media coverage about these abortion laws that have been passed in 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 Georgia and Alabama. Missouri also has legislation. I don't know if it was passed or if it was just on the books, but there's a lot of, of states that are, are passing these really, really heavy-handed abortion, anti-abortion laws. And those laws are passed. They don't have anything to do with Trump. They have everything to do with state legislatures. And and the state legislatures that are passing these laws don't actually even intend for these laws to be on the books, really. They know they will be challenged in court. And their point in in pushing these laws through is that they'll be challenged in court so that they can then go to the Supreme Court and try and uh and, and try and have Roe versus Wade challenged, right? I will just I will just come out and say I I, I am one hundred percent pro choice. Um, I don't think that pro choice means pro abortion. I don't think that that abortion should be the primary means of contraceptive. That being said, I don't think that there's any way that it's reasonable that we legislate that. Now, once you get so far into a pregnancy where there's actually a you know, an obvious fetus, then that's a different conversation. But at the beginning of a term of pregnancy, I I just, I don't think there's any right that anyone has to, to judge that or, and, and, and certainly to legislate it. Um, it, it's, it's, it's people's bodies and it's, it's fucked up to try and tell them that they can or can't do it. And the thing is, is that it doesn't actually prevent it. It's kind of like anti-drug laws, just because, like, the reason I don't do meth isn't because it's illegal, right? I don't do meth because I think it's dangerous, right? And so, really, if we made meth legal, you could make it less dangerous. Now, I'm not actually advocating for the legalization of methamphetamine, but my point is just that by by pushing something out doesn't necessarily make it better. And I would argue that, I mean, meth is a huge problem in the area that I live in, and it being illegal isn't stopping the people who want to do it from doing it. And it's also not really disincentivizing the people who don't want to do it. Well, when it comes to, to something like abortion, if someone wants to get an abortion or needs to get an abortion and it's illegal, it's still going to happen. It's just going to happen in fucked up ways that put people at great risk. All of this is to, 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 to support the point that, and that was kind of a segue, but I did want to just share my thoughts on that that subject. But but all of this is is to say that it doesn't matter if Donald Trump is president or not. If any Republican had won the election in 2016, they would have nominated the same Supreme Court justices that uh, that Trump did. So the Supreme Court would still already be conservative leaning, and these same state legislatures would be passing these same laws, and we'd be in the exact same situation. So stopping Donald Trump doesn't actually stop something like this from happening. Now, again, I'm not saying he doesn't matter or he's entirely insignificant, but the amount of significance that's put on him is too much. And it, it, it all goes back to that sensationalism because every time he does anything, it's super sensational. And every time, whether that's on the right or the left, I, I have friends on on the left that if Trump says something, they're offended and, and they can't believe that, you know, that he's president. And then I, I know people on the right who anytime Trump says something and other people react negatively to it, they can't believe 
that there's so much negative reaction and they don't understand why people are so unreasonable and why people are so out to, to get him. And everything is just blown into these completely, again, sensationalized viewpoints that, that don't actually get us anywhere. And the other thing that the sensationalism serves to do is it tries to make everything binary. And I get it in my, in my own life and in my own social circle, something that we do way too often, right? When I say we, I mean me and my group of friends, but just, I'll even just say me try and boil things down to, to, to these black and white, you know, on or off binary choices where it's just, you know, it's either right or it's wrong. It's either the best or the worst. And it, and it makes life a lot simpler if you can try and do that, or at least seemingly it does because, you don't have to think about it. You just you either pick that you like it and you agree with it, or you you uh, don't like it and you disagree with it, and then you can move on. You you already know that position. You don't have to revisit it. And it's just not it's just not actually how life works. Life is way more nuanced. Life is way more. It's all gray matter, right? It's all gray space. It's all in between the lines. It, none of it's none of it's that binary. Now, yes, there are examples of things that are binary. Uh, that are just right or wrong, but but m- so much of life is is actually more about nuance. And so when you try and boil things down, when you try and make everything these binary viewpoints, well, then that breaks down really quickly as soon as something as soon as something comes along to challenge that, which is could be anything because again, there's so much nuance to to how to how things work. Um, I don't know. It's, and, and, you know, it, it leads me to another point, which is that with all the sensationalism, I, I find myself somewhat overwhelmed feeling about, um, about the political environment that we find ourselves in currently. And when I say overwhelmed, I just, I didn't, you know, I, I've loosely followed politics since, since Obama started running. And and really when I say followed it back then, I watched the daily show <laughs> every day. And so I had some insight and then I watched Colbert a little bit when he was doing the Colbert rapport. Um, so I watched some of, I had some exposure to it from that. And then, and that was for maybe four or five years. And then I kind of tuned back out, honestly, and, and during Obama's second term, I, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't watch the daily show anymore. I didn't watch news. I might see Google News headlines, but largely I wasn't that invested. And then the election cycle happened in 20, starting in 2015, but leading into the 2016 election. And I don't know, I just got, I got caught up in, in the whole media machine of it and have never really let go entirely. I've had times where I've kind of backed off and like right now I would say I'm probably probably the least involved in, or at least one of the least times involved in, in how much political content I consume on a daily to, to weekly basis. Um, but it's still there. You know, I still consume some of it. I still, I still watch some of it. And, you know, frankly, it's, it's somewhat inevitable, right? That's everyone's complaint about politics now is that it's infiltrated or permeated everything. You know, you can't watch sports and not hear about it. You can't play video games and not hear about it. Um, and, and so it, it feels to me like, like sometimes I wonder, like, are we on the verge of like a civil war? Like, like if Trump lost the election, would he leave the office? And if not, 
Like, what happens? Like, do the people that support him support that he didn't really lose the election, that he should stay in power? And, and are people willing to fight over it? You know, I don't know. And, and so I find myself worrying about this stuff. But then, again, segue, as I do, <laughs> there's, or sidebar, it's not even really a segue, but um, actually, here's a, a real sidebar. Did you know that segue is spelled S-E-G-U-E? I had no idea. I tried to I tried to Google it the other day because I spelled it in, in something I was writing, and it, it underlined as it was misspelled, and I was spelling it S-E-G-W-A-Y, which turns out that's how the product is spelled. But I had no idea <laughs> that it was spelled a different way. And so I'm Googling the word trying to get the spelling right, because usually even if you misspell something, Google will be like, did you mean this? Um, and it just kept bringing up the product. So eventually I had to type in Segway, not the product. And then that showed me the real word. So yeah, pro tip, Segway, uh, not an obviously spelled word, we'll say. Anyway, um, when talking about when when talking about all this stuff like i said with politics i i feel like i'm i'm in too deep with it and i can't tell if if it's because it really matters or if it's just because i've picked it and and so you know just like if you pick to to watch or follow anything then you know more and more about it and it potentially seems more relevant to you than it does to others so recently, and this was the sidebar I had started to go to, recently there was a, a rapper out of Los Angeles uh, named Nipsey Hussle who was, was killed in, in a just a, a murder. He was shot to death. The guy who killed him is a guy named Eric Holder. So I was looking on, on YouTube one day and I see this video headline that says BG Knockout, which BG Knockout is a, a West Coast rapper from the, the 90s. BG Knockout says he would kill Eric Holder if he saw him. Well, I didn't realize that Eric Holder was the name of Nipsey Hussle's killer. I know Eric Holder is the name of the attorney general under the Obama Department of Justice. So when I saw that video title that BG Knockout is willing to kill Eric Holder, I was like, oh my God, like why? <laughs> why would this rapper be talking about killing a former attorney general and like, and why would you, I mean, even if you felt that way, why would you put that on the internet? Like that, that seems crazy. Well, it turns out he's talking about another, another rival gang member who killed, you know, his friend or whatever. So it <laughs> makes a little more sense. Anyway, so I'm sharing this, this story with a friend of mine and he says, you're probably the only one in the audience of the people who would watch that BG knockout video that would that also you know that knows they are colder is the name of, of the attorney general, and then another time and so his point is just like not everyone is is paying attention to this shit like it's as important or as significant as I'd like to think it is, it's it's not really everyone else isn't isn't paying attention to all these political things. I was watching an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast with the comedian Anthony Jeselnik, and he talked about they were talking about political comedy and how it feels trite and forced and it's just not really that great and they were talking about how about how how could you make a joke about the the speaker of the house because no one knows who that is and i i know who it is currently but i didn't used to know who it was and i i just can't i can't decide if if the reason that it matters is because it really matters to me or if i've just tricked myself with all the sensationalism into thinking it matters 
And there's a ton of people that I know actually that don't know anything about. They don't follow any of this political stuff. They don't know. <laughs> I said to one friend, did you hear, I said, oh, did you hear the Mueller report came out? And he said, what's the Mueller report? I mean, so I don't know. You know, people don't know a lot of this stuff. And and I can't decide if if me knowing it is actually of any value or not. I mean, the truth is, is I'm not a political activist. I'm not taking this information and going out and joining marches or organizing marches or canvassing or calling people or doing any of that stuff. Um, I'm just just consuming it. And, and to some extent, I, sometimes it feels like I'm consuming the political content just in the same way that I consume the sports content. And I don't know. It's, um, it's again, it, it goes back to the, the idea of the sensationalism and how that stuff is just kind of toxic and kind of poisonous to trying to really have good, good, well thought out opinions on things. But where else do you go? How are you supposed to know what, what, where, where, where these sources are? And again, you know, you, you just have to, I guess, find them. Like I, like I said earlier with PBS and NPR, they don't seem to be super sensational. So maybe that's a good, a good place. But again, they only cover so much. Um, and, and I also don't mean to say that they've never covered something wrong. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not some, <laughs> I haven't followed them super close for a super long time. Um, yeah, I, I guess the, my whole my whole point that I'm trying to 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 make, I guess, if we want to land that plane, if you will, is um, sensationalism is is everywhere in media coverage, whether it be something that is obviously not important, like sports, or something that maybe could be important, like politics. And I don't think it's possible to avoid it, and I don't think that it's necessarily always it's not always wrong. You know, sometimes something is really significant or exciting, but that's the other thing that this sensationalism does, right? Is it, it makes everything so important. So it's the boy who cried wolf. And it's really hard to actually know when something is actually important, which is what I'm talking about with all that politics stuff. I, I, I just can't tell. I can't tell if it's, if we're really headed towards some future where things are way worse or if, Everything is slowly getting better, which it seems like it's done through the march of time, right? Like things, progressivism always seems to ultimately win out. Um, and when I say that, I don't even mean it from a, a I, I guess I do, but I don't even mean it like Democrats always win as much as I just mean things change, right? So if conservatism is the idea of trying to hold on to what exists and liberalism is, is trying to, to invite change, the world changes. Everything always changes. So ultimately, in time, progressivism seems to be what happens. And, and, and that seems to have had a positive march, you know, through time, at least in, in the last hundred years. Um, I don't know. Is that is that what, where it is or, or is it about to is something crazy going to happen? And if something crazy is about to happen, it doesn't feel like people are paying attention, really. And if people aren't paying attention, then then what will happen if something catastrophic does occur? But, you know, again, maybe, maybe things like this have been going on in my life the whole time and I just wasn't paying attention before. And now that I'm paying attention, it seems really, really significant. Um, but just, just think about that when you, when you, when you listen to stuff, you know, I, I used to listen to this podcast called pod save America, which is four guys who are Obama staffers 
that then started a political podcast after Hillary lost in 2016 because they were all a part of, of that campaign. I think that they're really earnest and, and honest guys, and I think that it, it's an interesting um, show. And it's, you know, cons- the conservative side of, of the political world has this kind of stranglehold on talk radio and on, um, yeah, I guess talk radio is really the best way to call it. And, and there's not a lot of, of options for that for, for you know, the left side or, or democratic politics. And so Pod Save America does kind of serve as – it's not talk radio. People don't call in. But again, is that kind of opinion offering from, you know, the democratic side in an audio format. The thing is, is that and, – and to their credit, they don't hide that they're blatantly partisan. They don't hide that they – are, are, you know, effectively <laughs> democratic operatives. Um, so it's, it's not that they're, they're shy about that. However, literally every story they tell is only about how Republicans bad, Democrats good. And again, there's, there's just more nuance to that. So, so just think about that stuff when you're, when you're checking out these different, um, these different media places. And again, whatever the, whatever the source material may be or the subject matter may be, it's in gaming. I just, you know, a new game came out recently, a new Mortal Kombat game. It's a longstanding franchise. And one of the voice actors in the newest game is Ronda Rousey, who is a former UFC fighter. Ronda Rousey is not an admirable character necessarily in, you know, in her life. Um, I think she had, I think she had like an anti-vaxxer social media post at one point and, I don't know. I don't remember what the other thing was, but but either way, there was this whole article on this gaming site I read called Kotaku that was all about how fuck Mortal Kombat because they hired Ronda Rousey as a voice actor and she said these things that are disagreeable. So fuck her and fuck them for hiring her to do that. And it makes it diminishes the quality of the game because she's the voice actor. It's just bullshit. Like it's just it's just sensationalism. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. And it, you know, teach their own. Someone else can care about it if they want, but I don't give a fuck about who the voice actor is for one character in a game with a roster of 20 plus characters where the dialogue is a very insignificant portion of the game and, and what the game is about. It, it's not, it's not a visual novel. It's not an adventure game. It's not something where, you know, there's a really deep narrative. It's a really hammy, dumb story that has, bad lines no matter who delivers them and the whole point of the game is is this ultra violent fighting stuff it has nothing to do with who who the voice actor is it's it's irrelevant but you know that's a whole article from a major gaming news publication or Nate gaming news site and it's a, a view that a lot of people a lot of people share now i don't know if they did before that article was written i don't know how many people were up in arms but now that's out there, and now that's something that's referenced as like, well, it's good, but you know, Ronda Rousey. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, it it ties back also into. I find myself in a in a tricky position when it comes to uh, what's what's often referred to as like social justice warrior stuff, because I I hate bullying, and bullying is an understatement for you know some of these actions but but I hate bullying a lot for my whole life uh, won't tolerate it personally and 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 won't tolerate it for other people I'm around I just I can't stand to watch it it's really gross it 
I hate watching the the slimy bully win. So if I see it, I want to I want to stop it. I want to inter- intervene in that scenario. Um, and so I, you know, if if someone is says something racist, I'll, I'll I'll call them on it. And that doesn't mean I'll be like, you know, fuck you, you you bigot or you KKK member or whatever. It doesn't mean that you go there with it, but just hey, like that's not okay. Like you can't you can't. You know, we can't say that. We can't. We can't talk that way. You shouldn't. That that idea doesn't make sense. Uh, whatever whatever the rebuttal may be, um, sexism, homophobia, whatever whatever it is, whatever the thing is that people want to bully on, I'm totally against that. However, in the last I don't know ten years, eight years, I don't know how long it's been. There's been this constant shift of this, this outrage culture, where. People are so offended by just everything, you know. Um, you know, like you look at like the Me Too movement. Well, there's some some stuff that came out of that that is truly awful, and I'm very glad that those women felt empowered to speak out against um, the people who had had been frankly evil <laughs> to them. Um, and I think it's great that there that there was this whole kind of movement, and I assume still is, to to say like like we're, there's going to be accountability for this shit. Like we're not just gonna we're not not just gonna to go quietly anymore. Like it, it's going to be protested. Uh, it's going to be be spoke out against. But there were some cases in that that I you know like there was this guy who was a radio host in Minnesota, Garrison something I think his name was. I can't remember his name, but whatever. He was a radio host for like 30 years. And at some point he had, he had like hugged a a female colleague. I don't know if they were friends, whatever. And, and she had a, 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 either a backless or a low back dress on. And he had put his hand on her bare back and that made her very uncomfortable. So she, she she kind of said something or kind of recoiled in the moment i believe and he he apologized in the moment after the event he emailed her and said hey again just wanted to apologize she said hey it's not a big deal i just misinterpreted what was going on but it, you know it's fine well then the me too movement starts and now this resurfaces and he lost his gig and they deleted 30 years of his radio archive content just to completely scrub it from from existence I'm sorry. It's just not. It just doesn't. It's not warranted. There. It, it's. It's too. That's too much outrage. The the amount of of outrage for that is is not warranted. I disagree with that. And that's what I think about that Kotaku article. It's this outrage culture thing. And 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 again, a lot of times it's referred to as, as you know social justice warrior. And man, there was a long time where I thought of myself as a person who who would gladly wear that label because yeah, I'll stand up for the person who's getting picked on. I'm a a fucking six, five white guy. Like I I, far be it from me to, to act like I'm the one that's been oppressed, but, but fuck me if I'm not going to stand up for someone who is right. But it's gone so far now and it's gotten, it's gotten so heated with people's outrage that, I mean, shit, I might've said something today that, 
that someone would be mad at. I mean, luckily, I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's a, some wide national audience, so it's it's probably pretty unlikely. But I don't know. It just takes someone to take a snippet, and then you know, now I'm the bigot, right? And I don't know. I it, I just the sensationalism thing is just something that's been just on my mind a lot lately because again, it, it just permeates everything. It, it's it, it's everywhere. And, um, I don't know. I don't feel like it's something that people are, are really talking about enough. I don't ever, I don't ever have conversations with people where we're trying to, to talk about how maybe, maybe some of this coverage should be toned down or maybe, maybe it's inappropriate, an inappropriate amount of, you know, response to, to, to whatever, you know, a thing may be. Um, you know, you had that case, I don't know how long ago it was now, six months, I don't know, but where there was, there was some some high school kids in DC and there was this Native American protest or or something like that going on and, and there's this Native American guy and he's doing a chant or something and he as part of this protest and he's in this high school kid's face and the high school kid I think grinned at him or I don't know and the high school kid has a Make America Great Again hat on. So immediately the media seizes on this as Here's this MAGA wearing, MAGA hat wearing kid, white kid, who's just completely being disrespectful of this Native American and just, oh my God, he's a bigot and he's racist and isn't this horrible and on and on. Well, then it turned out when you got the full context of that story that the kid actually wasn't doing anything antagonistic to the guy. The guy who was protesting was actually being the, the one that was kind of weird in the whole situation. And it's a fucking non-story anyway. Like who I'm, I'm sorry that some people get looked at sometimes in ways that they're not comfortable with. Like that sucks, but there's fucking bigger fish to fry folks. And, and this was a national story that was on all the major news networks. And then when they got it wrong, then they had to bring the kid on and, and try and apologize for it and try and make, cause it, Frankly, it was fucked up that they went after some high school kid for some shit that he didn't even really do. Like, that's crazy. But there you go. That's where they are. And, I, you know, I at no point did anyone say, like, hey, even if we were right, you know, like, even if we were right initially and the kid was being a piece of shit, like, it's not fucking newsworthy. It's just not. Not on a, not on a national level like that. I mean, if you want to see examples of people being mean to each other, there's a lot better examples than that that we can that we can show. And you know, and again, in in this case, it actually wasn't even true. So the whole thing is unwarranted, uh, which is just I don't know. It's just disappointing, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I hope uh, I I. I I feel like maybe I'm now being sensational about sensationalism. So, you know, I'm the snake eating its tail or whatever. So I'll, I'll wind it up here. But uh, I don't know. Like I said, just just think about just consider whenever you're, you're reading something, listening to something, whatever it is, like, does it really deserve this reaction? And, and if it does, is that really what happened? And, and if it does deserve that reaction, why? And what's the outcome of that reaction? What's the what's the. Why are we reacting this strongly, and why are the, why are why does it generate this much emotion? And what are what's going to be the result of that? And if the result of that is is nothing, then I don't know. Uh, 
One other quick thing that doesn't really have anything to do with <laughs> sensationalism in the same way, but it, it's just something I had to mention because it's super weird. So I'm on Instagram, and on Instagram you can follow the White House, which I think I might have started doing when Obama was still president. I, I don't know, but whatever. You can follow the White House on Instagram, and <laughs> it's it's uh, it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird because it's not it's never used as like just like a hey this is what's going on in the world or hey this is what we're doing now it's always framed within the argument of like nope trump's a good guy and he's doing a good job they had they had one instagram post the other day it's a minute long video of some i don't know who the fuck it was some dude who's uh <laughs> at minimum in his 60s i would guess who's doing like a I don't even know what style of video you would call it. It's like a it's like a, a teenage call-out video or something where he's he's standing in the lawn of the White House looking in the camera and he's kind of like pointing aggressively like towards the camera and towards the ground and is like we are killing it on the economy. We are killing it on jobs. And it's all when the the latest jobs report stuff came out where the unemployment is at all-time low and uh and yeah, just this really enthusiastic, like, <laughs> uh, way younger than this guy is culture attempt at, at, at making this video where, again, it's, it's like he's, it's like he's a, you know, <laughs> a 25 year old NBA fan or something that's like, you know, LeBron and the Lakers are going to kill you this weekend in the game. And, or I don't, it's super weird because it's actually some guy who's, a bureaucrat that's not exciting at all that no one is interested in and he's trying to do this like hype video on behalf of the White House which is a 70 plus year old man who also is not cool or <laughs> part of that that culture at all um, I don't know just really weird uh, you might give it a follow I don't. I, I can't recommend that. Really, I, whatever you want to do, but it's 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 worth it to see some of the weird videos that, that come out of that White House Instagram. Um, I don't know. I didn't plan on doing Instagram <laughs> shoutouts today, but whatever. There's another Instagram I just recently found called Middle Class Fancy, <laughs> which which just posts, for lack of a better term. The, the most white bread and butter white people humor that that I could can possibly imagine um, there was a meme they had the other day that was the waiter walks in through the rest through the middle of the restaurant with fajitas that are sizzling and then and then the next part of the meme is my you know the, the meme posters reaction my reaction uh, and then it's just a person with a big smile on their face, and that's it. That's the whole the whole meme is that they're excited that there is uh, sizzling fajitas in the in the restaurant. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I I was pretty taken aback by it because um, it's it, it's not even jokes. It's just like <laughs> I guess stuff that fucking boring white people think is interesting. I don't know. Anyway. Watch your six with this fucking sensationalism shit and uh, maybe give White House and Middle Class Fancy a follow on Instagram.
All right. So I was going to share some more things that I uh, have been into recently, I guess you could say. And I think the first one I want to talk about kind of ties into the the broader topic that I've been talking about this episode. Um, and that's this guy who I don't know what you would call him, uh, <laughs> a thought leader or something. I, I, I don't know what, he, what he's, he's, his profession is that he's a, a professor at a university in Canada. His name is Jordan Peterson. Uh, some of you may have heard of him. He's, he's become a somewhat popular figure in the media uh, over the last couple of years. Um, but anyway, Jordan Peterson is, is an interesting character. He is often characterized by more progressive people as um, being this like insensitive, uh, sometimes sometimes way worse than insensitive. Sometimes people call him, you know, sexist or bigoted or transphobic is probably the most common one. And really where it all originated was in Canada, they tried to pass some laws um, that basically said that if the, you legally you have to refer to a person um, using the pronoun of their self-identified gender, except that they wanted – there's different words. And this is beyond – frankly, a little beyond my comprehension. I, I didn't understand any of this existed until this all came up. Um, but, but but there's words – it's not just he and her or him and she and that kind of stuff. It's also like like there's, there's words like Z and Zer and I don't know. It's something like 30 different words. Anyway, and, and so Jordan Peterson – uh, spoke out against this and, you know, was very active in, in, uh, speaking out against this, this legislation in Canada. And his point wasn't that he thought that, you know, transgender people should be marginalized or that they shouldn't, um, that they shouldn't be treated respectfully or that they should, shouldn't be able to be called the pronouns that they identify with. It was his point had nothing to do really with transgender people at all. His point was to do with that, um, that the government shouldn't be legislating language, that, that, that there shouldn't be a law about what can and can't or has to be said um, because it's just a slippery slope. And while in this case, maybe it's even, with the best of intentions, with the best of protecting a group of people who have been marginalized, especially in, you know, maybe for all time, but in, in recent years, it's really going to come a flashpoint, especially, you know, at least in North America. Um, and so, his, again, his point wasn't that he's anti those people or that group of people at all. His, his point was that the government shouldn't legislate language because it, it's dangerous because, again, now maybe it's for a good cause, but then that leads to maybe, you know, someone else defining a good cause later that, that isn't actually kind of thing, right? So um, personally, I think that's a pretty rational point of view to have um, and one that I, I would I would say I share. And again, it has nothing to do with my – whether or not I think trans people should be treated poorly. I don't think that at all. I, th I think that's crazy. Um, anyway, so, so Jordan Peterson has been a really interesting character that I highly recommend people check out. Um, and maybe, <laughs> maybe this is silly because everyone's already very familiar with him, but, uh, you know, he did have a New York times bestselling book last year. So it's, you know, it's not like I'm, <laughs> I'm not the Jordan Peterson hipster here. Um, but Jordan Peterson on the left is on the le progressive people, liberal people, whatever you want to call it, consistently paint him as this alt-right, you know, kind of villainous character. And then you have Sam Harris on the left, who is is kind of in a similar vein, and 
as far as being kind of this like you know modern day philosopher or something. I, you know, again, I don't know what you want to call it, but um, and people on the right just hate Sam Harris because they think he's this horrible atheist and they think he's just this terrible person. And it turns out they're like, <laughs> like there's a YouTube uh, conversation that they have that it's a you know recorded or whatever that's I think four hours long. And they actually just agree on most things that, you know, Jordan Peterson is a little more religious and, and Sam Harris is, is more, uh, is pretty, pretty atheist. So they definitely disagree on that point, but largely, you know, they're the same. Um, Jordan Peterson's a really, really fascinating guy, actually. And I, I, I highly recommend that you check him out, but if you're going to do it, you have to check out stuff that is unedited. You can't look, you know, like I watched a vice news documentary on one documentary. It was a 10 minute clip on him and the way that they framed him, painted him out to be a character that normally I wouldn't like. I, however, had watched him on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is, you know, unedited three hour conversations. And, and so I had a, a pretty different perspective on who Jordan Peterson is than what, you know, this vice clip or whatever, uh, implied. Um, but yeah, I, it's interesting because he's he's significantly shifted my thoughts on um, on on a lot of things, but but frankly, on religion and on on um, conservatism and and on kind of the the whole political spectrum, and and he's also helped kind of open my eyes to the dangers of too much political correctness, right? Because again, that it. it it, it's in its own way, it's kind of its own version, or it can be at least its own version of fascism, because eventually it turns into this thing where you just can't say certain things, or, you know, you, if, you, if you say this, if you, if you have one view or one thought, then you're immediately excluded and put in this other camp, and I don't know, it's just not, that's just not really true, just like I've been talking about, it's not nuanced, um, and, and, but yeah, so I highly recommend checking out Jordan Peterson again. He's got a book. You could read it. You could read the book. Um, I personally, I would recommend the Joe Rogan interviews I saw. I think that those are very uh, informative. He's got a ton of videos on YouTube, though, you know, lectures that he does, some from his university, some post that where he's now become this kind of <laughs> quasi celebrity. Um, and, and he just makes, you know, YouTube content and goes around and does speeches and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, highly recommend checking out Jordan Peterson. I think he he has at the very least some some well thought ideas that that even if he doesn't change your mind, um, will at least challenge a person to to really examine their own thoughts and ideas and see kind of what um, yeah see what they see if they hold up, <laughs> see if they hold water as I as I'm known to say sometimes. Um, so enough about Jordan Peterson, I guess. Um, another thing that I recently obtained, this is completely unrelated to that now, <laughs> just so we're clear, <laughs> but I've recently got a weighted blanket um, for, from, for my bed, and I got a 20-pound weighted blanket, which 20 pounds isn't that much weight. Turns out in a blanket, it's fucking crazy. It's, it's, it's a huge amount of weight. It's actually kind of a... Like you really have to think about it if you're going to roll over and you need to do adjust the covers because, yeah, it, like it takes some <laughs> it takes some doing. You can't just casually toss it. Um, the easiest way I can describe the sensation of the weighted blanket is it's kind of like when you go to the dentist and they put that X-ray vest on you that's heavy and it just kind of just kind of feel the weight of it or whatever. Um, that's about what it's like. 
and I thought that it was, uh, I don't know, yeah, I, I, I've heard about it for a long time. I don't really have anxiety or anything I'm trying to correct. I've just heard about it, heard that it's, you know, a more secure kind of feeling of sleeping. And yeah, it definitely does feel like I'm in a little cocoon. I wouldn't recommend the 20-pound one for most people. I'm a pretty big dude, so uh, it, it kind of worked out for me, I guess. But I would I would suggest probably you look at like the, I think they've got like eight-pound ones. But I really, I don't know, I can't recommend it enough. Now, I will say, little public service announcement here, you can't, you, well, you can literally, but you don't want to wash the weighted blanket because if you wash it, it breaks down the material that, you know, is the weightiness and, and whatever. So what you have to do is get a duvet, which is a word that I didn't know existed until I got the weighted blanket and, and now I'm aware. Um, but anyway, it's just like a cover for the blanket. So you, you get this duvet and then you put the weighted blanket in that and then you can take the weighted blanket out and wash the duvet thereby saving the, the weighted blanket. I'm sure a lot of you know what a duvet is, and this seems ridiculous that I'm having to explain it. Again, I was like, what's a dovet? And then, you know, I'm illiterate, so that's where we are. Um, but I would recommend there is a company that sells duvets, and it's the company I bought my duvet from, that, that have little tie-ins in it so that you can tie the weighted blanket down inside of it. Really cool idea, except the weighted blanket that I got is from a different company, and it doesn't have eyelets or anything on it, so there's literally nothing to tie these little cords to. And then as far as TV shows, I, kind of all over the place um, with what I watch. Something that I've I've, I've watched, it was actually a, a while back now, but it's still on Netflix. It's been out for a while, but it is really, really good anime, uh, and that's called One Punch Man. Um, again, it's, it's already a popular show, so if you're into anime, it may be something you've already checked out. But I'm not a huge anime fan. I've never subscribed to Crunchyroll or <laughs> anything like that. Um, but I would say that I've watched, I don't know, probably five or six anime series in total, um, which is, you know, <laughs> potentially hundreds of episodes because those things are so long. But But either way, One Punch Man is is both an excellent anime on its own and then also a wonderful parody of anime or, or a satirical take on anime just in general. So it, it, it's impressive for, for so many reasons. So it's only one season. So A, unlike what I just said about most animes, it's not hundreds of episodes long. You can get through it pretty quickly. Um, and... And then it just offers so much. So within each episode, you get multiple drawing and art styles. Um, you get really ridiculous, crazy fight scenes, which is that's personally you know why I like anime is is to see those scenes. Um, it's actually got kind of an interesting story that that very kind of slowly unfolds and isn't really satisfied by the end. Um, of, of the, the one season that exists. Now, I think a second season may have just come out maybe only in Japan or something. I don't know. I haven't seen it on Netflix yet, um, so I'm not, not entirely sure about that second season. But, but the one season, very, very, uh, very, very entertaining. And then also kind of makes fun of just the anime genre at large. So the, the kind of the idea of One Punch Man is that he... He just always can win everything in one punch. And this isn't me spoiling anything. It's literally what <laughs> every episode is. 
So, you know, whatever crazy monster attacks the city or something, and then he, all these different heroes will try and defeat the monster, and then this dude will show up and literally punch it one time, and, and then it's over, and he, he's defeated the monster, or whatever the evil thing is. Um, and, and so it's great because it's, like, there's these videos on the internet, and kind of a little weird little segue here, but there's these videos on the internet that are, are satisfying videos is what they're called. And, and what it is is it's like you'll see maybe a, a production line or an assembly line making something, or maybe it's just someone filling in, like, like say there's a, a piece of grid paper and they're just filling in squares perfectly with, like, a pencil, and you just watch each square get filled in. Usually it's more me- something more mechanical, but, but it can be something uh, that's done by a person as well. But it's just some, like, process that you're watching get completed, and, and it's oddly satisfying. Well, so then there's this other subsection of videos that are <laughs> unsatisfying videos where it will show, like, let's say, uh, you know, a product being made in a factory. So you watch this thing go through the assembly line, and normally in the satisfying video, you get to watch it to its completion. In the unsatisfying video, it stops right before it gets to the last step or, or something like that. So therefore, you feel unsatisfied. Well, One Punch Man kind of tries to encapsulate that sentiment within the, the show itself. And, and the way it does that is that all of the other characters have all these really significant and complicated stories, and none of it matters. Like, it's all inconsequential. Like, the villain that shows up that's been preparing its whole life to unleash this attack on Earth or whatever, and then all these other heroes who have been preparing for their whole lives to... Uh, <laughs> to try and stop the, the evil threats that may emerge. And there's all this conflict and all the stuff that you would see in a normal story, right? Where there's, a, you know, the protagonist and antagonist and all that. And then One Punch Man shows up and none of none of it mattered. And <laughs> he is disappointed that it's that unsatisfying because he is unsatisfied himself because... It's, it's not hard ever. He just punches everything once, and then it's over, and then he just goes back to his life. Um, really, really hilarious show. And, and again, even outside of the, the humor of it and the, the, the what I view as like the smartness of the show, um, showing my own smartness by using that word, but whatever, the intelligence of the show, um, it's also just a satisfying anime. Like I said, you get super cool, you know, heroes and villains and they all <laughs> they do have these ridiculous backstories so if you know uh, other anime shows have all these really convoluted stories well it has that it just subverts it right away as well uh, and again you're not in, you're not in it for for 30 hours you can you can probably be done and I mean I think there's maybe 10 or 12 episodes or something so you can get through it in the same amount of time it would take to watch you know an Avengers movie or Lord of the Rings or you know something like that um be yeah, I really, really recommend One Punch Man. Uh, I think that's all I'll do for recommendations today, but uh, if you guys have any categories or anything you're curious about, certainly let me know, and I'll be happy to, to, to cover uh, certain categories of topics of stuff uh, that's good content.
Well, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you again so much for listening. If you've got any questions, comments, suggestions uh, that you'd like to see on The Walk Show, please feel free to email me at walker at the walkshowpodcast.com. If you'd prefer to remain anonymous in, in doing that, you know, certainly I could talk about something on air and not mention who it was. So <laughs> don't feel embarrassed by that. Uh, thank you again so much for listening, guys. Have a great one.